Coming up on this episode of the C10 Podcast, we talk mentoring and leadership with Kansas City, Missouri police officer and C10 curriculum committee member Shawnee Nix, who has been trying to make a difference for others throughout her adult life. Because those two people really like showed me that they cared about me and that they were willing to go further than they had to, I always that was always in front of my mind that I will always be that person to somebody else. That and much more, including a conversation about boxing and roller derby. That's all on deck. Welcome to the C10 Mentoring and Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Dayton Moore's See You in the Major Leagues Foundation. Each episode of C10 brings inspiring, thought-provoking, and educational conversations with Kansas City area community-minded individuals. We dive into leadership and mentoring and how those can look for each of us in our own communities. And now, on with the C10 Mentoring and Leadership Podcast. Welcome in to the C10 Mentoring and Leadership Podcast. I'm Matt Folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you'll go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And of course, wanting you to be a good friend and a good family member, we hope that you will share this with your family and friends. When we developed this podcast, one of the things we wanted to do was highlight people you may not know, namely our mentors and C10 curriculum committee members. Sure, you'll hear from the likes of Dayton Moore and Rob Riggle, but we feel that everyone has a story to tell. Now, you have a story to tell, and chances are you have your own thoughts on, on leadership and, and some of the, the good and, and maybe bad leaders that, that you've known in your lifetime. And you've either been around great mentors or you've been a great mentor to someone else. Our mentors and committee members are no exception. So in this episode, we're going to hear from Kansas City, Missouri Police Officer Shawnee Nix, who's on our curriculum committee. We first met Shawnee about five years ago when she was one of the police officers who brought a group of students from the Police Athletic League to one of our CU at the K events. Incidentally, CU at the K morphed into the C-10 Mentoring and Leadership Program. Well, it was obvious then, Shawnee just has a passion for students as one of the main police officers assigned to PAL. You'll hear more about that in a few minutes. The interview you're about to hear was recorded in front of our students and mentors at police headquarters in downtown Kansas City on March 11th. Why am I telling you that? Well, I mentioned the date for reference sake. That was our last in-person C-10 gathering before the coronavirus began to take over. Within 24 hours of this interview, the NBA season had been suspended. While we were recording this interview, the Big 12 basketball tournament was going on just a couple miles away at the Sprint Center. Well, within about 24 hours of this interview, pretty much all NCAA conference basketball tournaments had been canceled. Not long after that, many programs for students, including the Police Athletic League, or PAL, as you'll hear it referenced, where Shawnee Nix is a coach, suspended all of their in-person activities. So keep that in mind as you listen to this interview and the passion that Shawnee has for her kids, as she calls them. But holy cow, what a difference a few days made in March. All right, well, back to this interview. We open this asking Shawnee about her childhood. So I grew up in Kansas City, Kansas, uh, Wyandotte County. We moved a lot 
I am not one of those people that has a childhood home uh, because my mother was just never a stable person. We just, I, for some reason, we moved a lot. Before I graduated, I probably had at least eight different houses that I can count, that I can think of. Um, but I went to um, Quindaro Elementary School. I went to Eisenhower Middle School. And then um, I went to Sumner uh, Academy. And do as I say, don't do as I do. I got kicked out my junior year for fighting and went to Washington. So I graduated from Washington High School. For fighting. And that's going to that's gonna lead nicely. Fight. It was just one blow and she went down and... <laughs> I, we all have regrets in our lives, and that was one. I, I knew I was going to get in trouble. I mean, like, I broke her nose, and there was, like, buckets of blood, and I was like, well, I'm not do that. I'll let her get the best of me. But it leads right into what you coach with Pal. Yes. So that's why I say do as I do. Do as I say, not as I do, because, yeah. yeah. I mean, what do you we, coach with Boys Athletic League? I coach boxing. Boxing. Mm-hmm. I believe I was 29 when I started boxing. Okay. And it was a... Uh, it was a weight loss thing. I wanted to lose weight. I got tired of being on the treadmill. So I went to a boxing gym and said, what do I do? And he put me to work and it came off like that. And then the competition came up and I was like, I'm in. And I won. And I was like, I want some more. <laughs> so, yeah. So you're a boxer for a while. Yeah. I had 14 fights, lost one. Last fight was 2015, I believe. So the one you lost? No, the one I lost was when I was regularly. This was the last fight I had was uh, Guns and Hoses, the uh, competition between fire and police. Um, but when I was competing regularly, we were in Augusta, Georgia, at a national competition. Why become a police officer? What? When did you make that decision? What led you to that decision? So I again was not one of those people that wanted to be a police officer growing up. Never crossed my mind. I started working as a clerk for the police department um, right over there in that room. Um, And I would come up to the window to help people. I'd take reports if people walked in their accidents. And I think back in 1990 when I started, my monthly salary, I want to say it was like $950 a month. When you work for the Kansas City Police Department, you have to move into the city. And again, I'm KCK, so I had to move over here. And I was like, I can't afford any place. I have a car payment. And so for probably three months, I lived in my car in the garage that used to be out that door. And one day, a, a we used to call them green tops, and it's basically a job vacancy. Um, and it, when the police department has openings, um, they'll put them out on a green top for law enforcement and it was it said police recruit or something and I saw the salary and I was like holy crap can I go to the police academy <laughs> and so I didn't even think about being an actual police officer I just saw like I would be making more money um, and back then I was a very quiet um, I was quiet matter of fact in the police academy they called me hooks if y'all don't know it look up hooks uh, on the police academy because she talks like She's very timid, and I was that girl. They called me Hooks at the Academy, and people don't believe me to this day, but I was. So I asked my sergeant, um, who my supervisor at the time over there, will you help me, like, make it through? Because I, I don't know what to do because I'm, I'm, like, shy, quiet. I'm not that aggressive type person. Back then, I was not, even though I got kicked out of school. So I tried one time. 
I didn't pass because they said I was immature. I wasn't, basically, I wasn't an, an adult enough uh, for their standards. So, um, yeah, I tried, I think, a year later, uh, and then I made it. And they gave me such grief in the academy um, because, again, I was not aggressive. I wasn't assertive. And we would have these uh, mock calls. So, like, you would... People would call 911 and they tell you like, hey, somebody's calling because of disturbance. The brother won't leave the house and this and this happened. So you got to go in and handle it. Um, every time I would do that, I would get yelled at because they were like, you need to be more aggressive. You need to take charge of the situation. And so like I got tired of getting yelled at. So on one of those calls one day, I was just going off the handle. And I was like, you sit down, you shut up, <laughs> stop it. No, it's not going to happen. And they were like, OK. You were right here. Now you're here. Can you meet us in the middle? And I was like, all right, I can do this. So our word this month is, is concentration. How does concentration play into what, you, oh, what you've done? Uh, you, you have to be aware at all times of your situations. I mean, all times. If you're done with the call and you're just sitting in your car and you're, because back in my day, we used to write reports on paper. Um, so, you know, if you got your clipboard and you're writing your report and I worked dog watch, so I worked 11 at night, seven in the morning. Um, so there was a lot of downtime. You'd always have to be aware of your situation. You like, you back up in the parking lot, you make sure there's a wall behind you and not an open space so you don't know who's coming up behind you. You don't park in front of the doors at Quick Trip because what if there's a robbery going on and they come out and you're right there? It's just so many things you have to concentrate on and you wouldn't think that you need to. What all does PAL do? The main purpose of PAL is, is to get kids and police officers together and so that kids, one, see police officers um, how they really are and not like how they perceive them to be. Because mm -hmm. um, at PAL, like we are who we are and they see that day in and day out. Um, they see that we're normal people, that we, um, you know, we care about them, um, that we are there for them if they need things. And so, and so that's like the main purpose is for the kids and the police officers to get together. And then on top of that, it is just to provide a safe place for the kids to come after school to participate in different various activities. What, what do you enjoy most about that, just for you personally? For me personally, it's um, getting to see my kids grow and grow up. And, and I say my kids because they are my kids. Um, they, mm -hmm. they, once they come to my life, they, they become my family. So it's getting to see them just blossom. Are there any really just cool success stories out of out of that for you? Oh, yeah. So I'll start with my oldest, um, William. Dad was never in the picture, um, in jail for life. Mom raised him and his older sister. And so, like, he literally, like, became my son. Like, hit me and his mom, you know, it was tag team like he's William's not doing this she called me and if he wasn't doing this I'd call her and mm. so he graduated Crystal Ray went to Benedictine graduated with a bachelor's in teaching uh, music and then a minor in theology mm. and he is currently in his second year teaching in Alaska uh, as far north as you can go in Alaska Kotzebue Alaska uh, his first year there, he would 
Um, he had an apartment in Katabu. Every Monday, he would take a plane to a village. He'd stay in that village, teach all week at, at the school in that village, and then fly back on Fridays. Oh, my goodness, I have so many success stories to tell. And then, of course, there's, there's kids that, you know, they're going to do what they want to do, and they don't do what I tell them to do, and they end up, you know, yeah. in bad situations. So, but I have more good ones than I do bad ones. I mean, I can count the bad ones on one hand. So I wish we knew how to use this big video screen. And so I'll just tell you guys to Google Patty Wagon. Oh, no. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, so when I say Patty, Patty Wacken? Wacken. Wacken. Who is Patty Wacken? So Patty Wacken, she's my, she's my alter ego. She's everything I want to be. Um, Patty Wacken is a roller derby goddess. I'm sorry, I'm just going to say it. I was good. I was feared. Um, yeah, I took my, I, I helped take my team to national championship. Good days, good good times. I'm paying for it now on my knees, my shoulders. But so you're a roller roller derby star. See, apparently I like hitting people. So in 2000, what was it? 2004 or five? There was an article in the Pitch magazine, and there, there's two articles. One was on the roller derby, women's roller derby, and the other one was on women's football. And so my my <laughs> uncle, who was kind of like my dad growing up, because I didn't have one. Um, I called him and I was like, hey, Rick, uh, I'm looking at these articles and they're talking about roller derby and women's football. And I'm like, which one do you think I should do? And he was like, oh, Sean, you don't want to play football. You're going to end up with bad knees. Um, so yeah, I was like, all right, so I'll go to roller derby. So I went to a roller derby tryout and um, I could skate already. Um, but then they had like these drills where you like skate. And then they blow a whistle and you just hit the ground and fall and you'd have to get back as fast as you can and start running and skating again. And it was it was intense, but I was like, oh, I can do this, so I played roller derby. Okay. All right. You miss it? I miss it so do much. You? I really do. I really do. And not just the not just the skating, the exercise, the hitting people. It was because it was girls and we had four home teams. Um, just so many powerful women in one setting that um, and we were in Every single time, and no matter what team, if, we, if I was on the Dreadnought Dorothy's, if we were playing the Vixens, it was still, you know, like, you still want to come together and you want to, like, get up. You guys can do it. You guys got this. And even though we were competing against them and they never beat us, um, it was still, you know, it was, just, it was just nice to have that many women together. And we had two male coaches. Yeah, it was just, it was pretty awesome. I miss it. So let's talk about leadership and mentoring and and. When you first got involved with this group, knowing that leadership was going to be a big piece of that, why was that important to you? I had two people in my life that I, um, my high school basketball coach and then my sergeant that I spoke of when I was in um, records, because those two people really like showed me that they cared about me and that they were willing to go further than they had to, mm -hmm. um, to see to it that I succeeded. I always, that was always in the front of my mind that I will always be that person to somebody else. That is, that's just always stuck with me. So anything that I can do for, especially kids, um, I'm, I, I'm, I'm in. So since you've been with the department, who's been maybe one or two bosses, we'll call them, but just leaders that you've been around that uh, have meant a lot to you, influenced you, that, that you really think about often now? Um, my very first 
um, sergeant supervisor, um, when I came on the police department, worked in records, Sergeant Jocelyn Brown. She um, moved away, so she lives in uh, Tennessee now. But every birthday, every Christmas, uh, every Mother's Day, because she was like a mother to me, I told you I lived out of my car. Um, and she found, well, she found out because <laughs> I, I couldn't afford to eat. Um, and all I remember is the last thing I had was a peanut butter sandwich. I didn't even have jelly. And I remember standing outside or walking through the building one day, um, and I remember sliding down the wall and hitting the ground. And I remember being in an ambulance and going to the hospital, and they were like, do you want us to call anybody? And I was like, um, just call my sergeant. So they called her, and it just happened to be on her birthday. And oh. <laughs> so she came to the hospital, and she was like, what are you doing? Why are you not eating? And why didn't you tell me you weren't eating? And I was like, I, 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 I don't know. Um, so she took me back to her house, and she had, like, this big spread of, like, lobster and potatoes and corn. And I was like, holy crap. Um, so she is definitely one person, like, she didn't have to do that. She didn't have to come and check up. She could have said, well, call your mother or something. Um, I don't know. But she was definitely one person that was, and she, she found me a place to live. Um, a friend of hers had a house, and it had a third story, and she set me up to meet with her. And they were like, well, how much can you afford? And they set me down, and they literally, like, looked at everything that I had to pay and how much I brought home. And I ended up paying, like, $150 a month for this. It was a third floor in a house, but it was like an apartment. Mm-hmm. It was living room, kitchen, or not a kitchen, a uh, bedroom, and a bathroom. Um, had a huge closet, and the balcony outside was like the width of the house, but I only paid $150. And then when I went to police academy, I was like, hey, I make more money now. Can I pay you more? And they were like, no, save your money. Do that. And they, they hmm. literally talked me through everything like, nope, you're going to put this much away in your savings. You're going to pay this much more on your car so you can get it paid off sooner. And they literally like, and, and if it wasn't because, if it wasn't for her, I never would have met them. But the cool thing about that, too, is that's who you are now. Because of her and my basketball coach, Smitty, who like did basically did the same thing. Like he saw me. If it wasn't for Smitty, that girl that punched the girl in eleventh grade would have kept getting worse. And he he saw that and he was like, nope, not gonna let that happen. So he like put his foot down and was like, you're doing this and um, and and it's. I think it was because I respected him so much um, because he did show that he cared. Like he wasn't. Like some people can say, no, you need to do this. And you can tell that it's not genuine. Um, he really was not going to let me get away with being stupid and doing stupid stuff. And so, yeah, I, everything that I did, I was like, Smitty's going to find out. I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to let him down. Didn't want to be that person. Mm-hmm. You've worked security with Mayor Sly and then now Mayor Q. As we think about leadership styles, how are they alike and how are they different? Or are they just completely oh different? Is there is there any way they're alike? I don't think they're alike at all. Um, they're very different. Um, Sly was more laid back. Um, uh, Q is he's younger, mm-hmm. um, and he does some stuff like before he took office. Um, I was his only um, security. So for probably uh, four weeks, I, it was just me and him. And um, the thing that stands out to me is that he, we went to a, a, a fair uh, at Swope Mental Health or Swope Health down on Blue Parkway. Mm-hmm. And there was a dunk tank. And he was standing there and he was talking to Senator Curls. 
And I was talking to his, or Senator Curl's assistant, and I heard him say something about getting in the tank. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> um, and he was like, yeah, I'm going to get it. And I was like, hmm? you know, you got, because I have a schedule. And I'm like, you know, you got another place you got to go after this. You got another place after you. Go, what now? And he was like, yeah, I'd be all right. It was really hot that day, too. So he starts taking off shoes, and he takes off his shirt. And I'm like, you're really doing this. Um, there's no way Sly would have done that. Somebody would have asked Sly to do that. Sly would have been like, what? Are you crazy? Um, but he got the dunk tank, and yeah, he's walking around with the shoes and his jacket and drying off. And So he did get dunked he then? He did get in the dunk tank. Yeah, okay. He got dunked several times. <laughs> several. Um, but yeah, they're, they're two different, and, and I think it, the age has a lot to do with it. Um, but uh, when we're talking about concentration, about like having them, mm. It's tough because, like, I would have to pay attention. I'm talking to somebody. I can carry on a conversation, and Q's over here or something. I'm carrying a conversation, and I'm looking over there, and I'm looking over there. Because as long as I know where they are, that's okay. I have to worry about what's over there. Like, some people think that you're always got you always have your eyes on the prize, and that's not true. You know where the prize is. You ain't got to worry about them. You got to worry about everything else out there. So. That takes, you know, some getting used to because, you know, especially with Sly. Sly would move or you'd think he'd be one place and you'd be like looking at just around real quick and then where'd he go? You know, there's just crazy people out there that might be angry for one reason or the next. um, And you just got to see it coming before they get to, you know, the mayor. Mm -hmm. Just keeping them safe. Any questions for for Shawnee? Shawnee, have you ever had to like step in for any of the mayors, like in a situation that you felt was unsafe? Okay, so that's good. Mm -hmm. Kind of. We were, me and Q were walking, and he walked a lot. Um, So we walked from headquarters down to the city market, from city hall to the city market, um, because he had lunch at the taco place down there. And we were walking back. um, It it was pretty, I can tell it was a homeless dude. It It was a homeless guy, and he started walking and talking to him, um, but then he started getting, I don't want to say angry, but just more aggressive in the things that he was saying, and I could tell by the look on Q's face, like, this guy's making me uncomfortable, so while Q kept walking, I stepped in front of the guy and walked backwards and was like, he's got to get back to work now, and like, I think, I don't know if people underestimate me because I'm a woman, <laughs> no, not bad call. Um, <laughs> See, I'm, I'm patty whacking. Dad, come it. Um, so he was like, I'm not talking to you. And so, like, literally, I had to stop and stop him and, like, make sure he saw my badge and my gun. Like, you're done. So, you spoke about being kicked out of school and living in your car. Like, what could be motivated to be in, like, who you are today? I think my biggest motivation was not letting. People down, like especially Sergeant Brown, um, my sergeant over there. Um, and then being able to, uh, I remember the first time I went back to Sumner and um, I went in uniform so that my vice principal, Mr. Denham, and, and some of those people see me in uniform and just see how big their eyes were because probably in their eyes, like I was going to be one of the ones that ended up on the other side. And so I went back to show them like, nope. I did some good. So that was, yeah, that was my motivation, not letting people down and proving people wrong. What do we tell Shawnee? Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you. Well, that does it for this edition of the C10 Mentoring and Leadership Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. For now, we'll drop a new episode every two weeks, so be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an interview. In the meantime, if you have comments about this episode or suggestions for potential guests, you can comment below. And if you or your company would like to underwrite this podcast, let me know. Until next time, this is Matt Folks for the CU in the Major Leagues Foundation saying be safe and take care. We hope you've enjoyed and been educated and inspired by this episode of the C10 Mentoring and Leadership Podcast. Brought to you by Dayton Moore's See You in the Major Leagues Foundation. For more information about See You in the Major Leagues or the C10 Mentoring and Leadership Program, visit seeyouinthemajorleagues.org. That's the letter C, you in the major leagues.org. <laughs>